Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Welcome to another episode of Chris will deal with it. Will I see growth or come to loathe a CRM? So today's question, I run a small B2B marketing firm and I keep hearing about CRMs and how they can drive growth, but they look expensive, a pain to set up and regular effort to maintain. Can you help me explore CRMs and how to understand if the benefits end up being worth it. All right, so I'm gonna break this answer down into four key areas. One, what's a CRM? Two, CRM's potential impacts. Three, establishing CRM benchmarks. And four, integrating your CRM. Before we start, I wanna give a few quick definitions. When I say B2B, I mean business to business. When I say B2G, I mean business to government. And B2C is business to consumer. So let's finish up with one more definition here for section one, what is a CRM? CRM is customer relationship management. It's a technology that manages your company's relationships and interactions with existing and potential customers. Its goal is to improve those relationships for business growth. The CRM is a modern term and it's typically associated with desktop or cloud-based software, but I prefer to view it as a system or a method. The technology is often software-based. I mean, there were CRMs before the term was ever coined. For example, the Rolodex. A well-defined CRM system can have a massive effect on your business, but it works best when it's paired with routines and habits for using its insights to keep in touch. Important point here, lots of popular CRMs are going to have free entry-level plans, but you can build your own CRM in a physical notebook, a spreadsheet, without really any tech skills or spending a single dime. Its features will be limited, but managing your customer base can totally be bootstrapped for $0. There are many CRM tools out there. Um, I'm gonna go into little detail on the ones where I have deep experience with. In the episode notes for today's episode, uh, you can find a whole longer list. So Salesforce, this is the granddaddy of CRMs. It's enterprise level software that drives a lot of large scale businesses. It's very powerful, it's got a complex feature set, it's great for large organizations who might contact customers on many different levels or from disconnected departments and or divisions. They do have solutions for small business. You can look up on their website for more details. Insightly, I've done a full implementation of this CRM for a B2B slash B2G company that had a complex long-term sales pipeline. It's a customizable pipeline management tools are fantastic. It allows the CRM functions to dovetail nicely for someone with a project-based sales cycle. I'd really recommend this CRM if you do have a very specific sales pipeline that needs to be navigated or a project-based organization. Airtable, customizable online spreadsheet tool or database tool. I uh, use this extensively both professionally and for Croider Studios. It's very flexible and user-friendly. It features templates, examples to help get you started. If you know Excel, Airtable is going to feel really natural to you. It's great for digitizing and automating other business processes too, not just as a CRM. So these automation tools and extensions that it comes that baked into the program and you can build your own with their API, uh, this means you can set up with very little coding experience. 
again, there's lots of other options out there. I just wanted to give a few examples of ones that I know I have personal experience with. So look in the episode notes for, a, for more of a list. But I do want to talk for a minute about email marketing uh, campaign services like MailChimp or Constant Contact. Uh, for B2C and some B2B, depending on your industry or customer base, you could also consider these to be CRM tools because they monitor and they track engagement and sales conversions at the individual customer level. Uh, many also have integrations with those popular CRM tools working in tandem with very little daily effort involved. For example, when a mailing, mailing list customer orders a product, it can create or update that customer record in your CRM without you having to do anything. In the case of Croyder Studios, B2C publishing is a big part of my business, and I use MailChimp for marketing and Airtable for sales and inventory tracking. But since I don't have a need for a robust CRM, I've kept things light and simple. This way, if I need to upgrade in the future, I've already got the framework laid. Section two, CRM's potential impacts. So let's start with the overall objective of what a CRM could do for a major business, uh, the different types that we defined at the start. So for a B2G company, business to government, the CRM can highlight the unique elements or factors for each entity that you sell to. You're often dealing with public procurement processes, documentation, verification, and those requirements often vary between different municipalities, whether they be cities, states, or the federal government. Therefore, your CRM is going to need to be flexible and customizable. For B2B businesses, the CRM should track not just the corporate accounts themselves, but the individuals within them. Because management and staff can turn over. Uh, lately, it's been pretty frequently for a lot of people. But remember that people do business with people. I said this in the last episode where I talked about interviewers, but regardless of who signs their paychecks, you're still going to have to influence not just the, the business, but the people making decisions within it. So your CRM needs to strategize for the account level as well as the individuals that are making decisions within that. So B2C, the CRM often has to integrate with your marketing strategy. Because you're talking directly to consumers, you might have traditional advertising campaigns, social media engagement like hashtags or email marketing. There's likely going to be a variety of sales channels that you use to promote and sell your product. Storefronts, trade shows, e-commerce, and social media all working in tandem to get your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible. So your CRM should be really focused in on aiding the identification of those key customers, such as early adopters or evangelists, while quantifying as much as possible to gain insights into trends that are going to help grow your business or sell more of your particular product. CRMs are often established in organizations that feature multiple sales reps and or independent sales agents. You're really going to want your CRM to strike a careful balance between feelings of ownership and responsibility towards those individual sales accounts. Uh, sales agents may need to rely on various resources within your organization at varying levels of the sales pipeline. So for example, you may call on a technician to help develop the solution during the proposal phase. And they may be communicating on that technical level while you're communicating on the sales and business proposal level. So a CRM can be a great tool for properly identifying which sales rep converted a lead. That can be for the purposes of tracking bonuses or commissions tied to, or tied to general performance of their job duties. This data could be used to fuel competition, but I'd caution you on that point because you want to make sure that's your goal before you throw up salesperson performance KPI just because you can. However, in most cases, you're probably just going to want to encourage the sharing of techniques between sales reps, not create competitive silos. You know, here's what's working well for these type of proposals, not 
Bob's doing better than Sally or vice versa. As a business owner, the data that you glean from this system can help you identify accounts that might be lagging. This way you can be a better support for your sales team or discovering marketing and sales techniques that aren't effective. So we've talked a lot about data and how CRM should use it. So let's dig a little bit deeper into what a CRM can and should be tracking. So section three, establishing CRM benchmarks. Before implementing a CRM, you need to clearly define your benchmarks. Benchmarks are quantifiable data points that are relevant to your business. Clearly defined data should be understandable and of obvious benefit across your team. This is going to ensure that they adopt a system that could be seen not just as some additional busy work in their already harried lives, right? It's a tool to help grow your business, not bludgeon or micromanage your sales team. So those benchmarks should be as detailed as possible as long as they're also providing value. So the better your benchmarks, the better you can quantify the value your CRM brings. And more importantly, though, the better benchmarks are going to increase the return on investment since you can leverage the data it generates for better insights. I'm going to list out a few sample benchmarks. It's not intended to be an exhaustive list, just some examples broken down into some categories. Growth, strategic, sales pipeline, project and contract, and vendors. So growth benchmarks, these could be the quantity of customers, and you want the ability to slice that across different product lines, demographics, criticality, etc. Revenue per customer. If you have multiple products, you can isolate which customers are likely to appreciate you, your other offerings, which, so that's also called upselling or cross-selling. For B2C companies, especially those with physical locations, how often are customers buying? How many loyal and regular customers haven't stopped by in a while? Who should you target and with what products for upcoming sales and promotions? A benchmark could be the profitability of customers. This is often overlooked. You know, the revenue versus the labor and resources that go into the sale. You could track growth by region or by sales agent. Be careful how you use this data. Again, you're trying to do this to grow your business and grow your team, not for cut through or competitiveness, unless your business is specifically about that. Measuring customer interactions. How often are you connecting with your customers? You can automate formulas and alerts when a contact has grown stale. Are those interactions getting a good return on the effort spent? Time, travel, samples, etc. How many follow-up actions remain open for those interactions? How long have they been left open? So you decide here, the more granular you get with your interactions and action items, the more effort's going to be needed to maintain your CRM. That's why it's important to clearly define these benchmarks that are most relevant to your company beforehand. It's going to help you identify the right CRM product or system and make sure it's well-suited for your company's specific needs. Remember, you're trying to strike that balance between how much work do I get for how much benefit. So let's jump into strategic benchmarks. How will you classify your accounts? Some examples for our asker. They're going to care if their customer sells products or services, what industry they're in, their position in the marketplace. Are they new? Are they established? Are they a leader? Because you're trying to help these companies with marketing solutions. How deeply do you know your customers? Do you have sufficient contacts across the key decision makers in that organization? Do you have awareness of their procurement plans and current budget? What is their current perspective of you? For example, they don't know you exist. They're aware of you. They're considering doing business with you. They're reviewing an actual bona fide proposal. They're buying from you. They're happy with you. They think you suck. They're no longer doing business with you at all. There's a lot of open invoices that are on credit hold. There's lots of options here that are very tailored to your specific business. 
so in a larger picture though, how are you going to define your account level and personnel level strategies? Your company may have customers in drastically different markets. Do you need to tailor your CRM to capture the unique elements specific to customers in each of those markets? This goes back to the example of having a B2B, also B2G. There may be two separate sales cycles there. Can you track performance against industry standards or trends? A marketing example here, what's the open rate on emails for various clients? You know, targets will vary by industry, but one general average that I found for email open rates is around 15 to 25%. While the average click-through rate is 2.5% and the average click-to-open rate hovers at around 20 to 30%. Another metric would be advertisement and social platform engagement. How is your business converting those engagements or money spent into leads and subsequently turning those leads into prospects and sales? Are you getting adequate ROI on the time and money spent on those various platforms? Be sure to track returns from each individual channel if you can. Um, That's especially important when you're assessing trade shows, which are often very expensive undertakings with sometimes long tails of turning them into customers. Sales pipeline benchmarks. Clearly define your sales pipeline. There's multiple models that draw from here. I mean, the most common would be the sales funnel, and I'll have an example of one of those funnels in the episode notes. How many steps along this funnel do you want or need to define? My general rule here is simpler is better but the funnel should match the complexity of your customer's journey from becoming aware you exist to taking action. You may have different pipeline definitions or for different types of customers. For instance, B2B and B2C are gonna look very different in terms of a sales funnel. You're selling a commodity versus a service in our askers case, very different pipelines. From there, you can track which customers are at various stages of that pipeline. So let's look at this as a, with a hypothetical example from our askers question. Their CRM might show that they have 50 early stage leads who have at least heard of their firm, but they only have two prospects who have been called to schedule meetings to discuss specific proposals. Our asker might use this hard data to assess their marketing efforts. Perhaps their sales team and marketing material are focused on late stage decision making, and maybe a slimmed down mission statement or introductory video on their website could help bring more prospects deeper into the funnel. So if you can, You want to try to measure the number and rate of conversions through the pipeline. Depending on how well you match your benchmarks to your actual sales cycle, you can get some pretty granular data here, uh, even merging dates into that as well, like having reports over time. You may also want to consider workload tracking. Measure the ebb and flow of proposal creation, contract execution, marketing pushes, trade shows, or many of the other elements related to both the sales and execution cycles. If all your people are working on converting leads into POs, but there's no one working on the projects on the back end, which you may have a lot of, you need to work on the the manpower balance as well. And your CRM could help with that assessment. So let's get into some more of those project and contract benchmarks. You're going to want to try to identify the accounts and proposals that have very specific requirements or needs. This is especially important if you deal with a unique service offering or highly customizable products. If you work in multiple bidder situations, you can track the win-loss percentage. You can do open contract tracking. The key here is to generate reports that highlight when contracts are due for renewal or rebid. That's going to allow you to get a trigger to ensure that you're aware of your customer's future plans, get feedback on any pain points with the products or services you're currently providing, and potentially influence the terms for the upcoming procurement to improve your chances of winning. 
You can also track ones that you've lost in the past. Hey, this, it was a 24-month contract. It's going to be due. So in 21, 22 months, make sure I have a regular touch point with the customer so I can win it the next time around. For larger organizations, where you might have multiple employees from various departments contacting your customers. Your account-level overview should list all of the potential and current contracts or projects. So anyone working with that customer can then have an awareness of that customer's criticality regardless of their reason for interacting. They may be interacting on a lower level, but being aware that there's some big high-profile proposals out there or a bid that's due, you know, they can then be aware because sometimes in those bidding situations, you're not allowed to actually talk about it until the pricing has been awarded. So you, can, you, you don't have someone lower in your organization or not who's not aware of that bid messing something up. It's a bit of an extreme example, but I wanted to say these are the sort of things that you have to assess your company's operations and how to translate that into the benchmarks for your CRM. And it's great to define this well before you even get started picking a CRM. Let's talk about vendor benchmarks. Never neglect your vendors. They are vital to your business. So you want to set aside a separate area of your CRM to focus on vendor and partner relationships. Personally, I call this VRM, vendor relationship management, just to differentiate the two. But are you up to date with your vendor's line card, their service offerings? Do they have new products or features that can improve your offerings? How much are you purchasing from them? Highlighting this data could help you negotiate better costs or improve your purchasing terms. You know, next time the vendor comes to visit you as a customer and calls on you, you have data on the other hand to help inform that conversation. And when they do come, you can have that conversation. Are they properly aligned with the proposals that you're generating or the contracts you have in process? How much are you purchasing from them? Highlighting this can really help you negotiate better costs and improve your purchasing terms. Does your company, they get any rebate or incentive programs from this vendor? You make sure your team is getting the best rates or deals when they're building a proposal or purchasing items if they have multiple vendors that they can pick from. Do you have any strategic initiatives for those vendors? The CRM can help you clearly communicate this across your sales team to help them guide proposals with your preferred vendors. If your company doesn't have an intranet, wiki, or other online platform, you can consider setting up a space within your CRM to act as a knowledge library. This could contain information on your products, service demo tools, presentation decks, line cards, etc. Also be sure to add contacts if your team is widely distributed or uses a lot of outside contractors. Part four, let's talk about integrating your CRM. You're likely gonna face some organizational resistance. You get around this with storytelling. What's the vision of the upsides the company gains as a result of the additional process and work it's gonna to take to set up a CRM and maintain it? You know, so don't hesitate to share this podcast with the doubters. Let me deal with it. But all kidding aside, you're gonna to wanna to reach out to some trusted customers, get their perspective on what was relevant or what resonated with them that led them to choose your company's products and or services. Take your wins and what works, translate that to your CRM to get more wins. You know, your staff, they're likely gonna have varying levels of technology skills. If you can, you wanna to try to meet them halfway when it comes to the complexity of the CRM. If your CRM is a customizable tool, consider a staged rollout. Start with a basic customer list with a few columns of key data. Slowly, you can add in additional data or formulas and automations that leverage that data. If you can, you want to find ways to generate some low-level KPI or key performance indicators that focus on the team success rather than the individual success or failure. For example, there could be dashboards for a specific project, sales review meetings, stand-up team meetings. As they gain comfort seeing the results of this tool, they're going to get more 
appetite to be more sophisticated, start leveraging those CRM insights, getting more data into it so they can get more out of it. I mean, again, you don't have to have a team to build and maintain a CRM, by the way. If you're a single-person company, a CRM can play a vital role in reinforcing good information hygiene and connection habits. You can have a CRM for your personal life as well. Uh, don't just use the CRM to store lots of information, right? You're basically just putting a database in the cloud at that point. What's really vital to a CRM is how you use it. Don't be afraid to adapt your CRM based on feedback or changing business needs. As you and your team get more comfortable with a CRM, you're going to start to naturally see areas that can add or subtract value. It might change your, the processes your business has, not storing information, but using it, leveraging it. So you want to make sure to include maybe some data fields that can be used as hooks into other elements of your business or other tools that you use. Some examples here, uh, you can include a customer code number from your accounting billing invoicing software on the account record. Address fields should be formatted so you can easily convert them into addresses and package labels if you use physical mailing services or if you're sending out holiday cards or something. If you do business internationally, you want to note any tariffs, cultural differences, time zones. Most CRM tools have the ability to link various record types across areas of the CRM. You want to do this whenever possible. For example, connecting individual contacts with specific accounts or vendors. Connect them to any sales interactions, proposals, contracts, leads, a salesperson who contacted them. This allows you to roll everything up into a cohesive customer summary or overview. The more data you can pull into this form from outside, sales history, links to the proposal documents on your share drive, this can be a huge boon to your sales team because they're getting information quickly. That's a value to them. If you have any informational databases, try to locate data fields that can be used as a cross-reference between customer information. This is a very subtle but important suggestion. So I'll build out a small hypothetical list for our asker. Customer location, city, state, zip. Uh, can that information be linked with census data for demographics in that area? Uh, let's say our asker, they have a media list that identifies the topics of articles or interviews that they specialize in. Uh, have an identifier in the customer record that uses those same topic identifiers. Exact matches would be great here, close to it. So you can build out a targeted media list on demand for a specific customer. Uh, let's say they also maintain a database of information their customers give them of their social media influencers. You're going to want to make sure that your CRM has a column for those social media account names as they appear in that database. They likely maintain a share drive with all of the marketing materials created for each customer or product. Put a link directly to that drive folder in the CRM. One click and you can go from a CRM page to the relevant files, which is a great time savings over the journey through your share drive. I want to add some additional comments on data analytics here. It's a deep topic and one I'm definitely going to be digging into through future episodes. But specific to CRMs, you're going to want to make sure you understand what data matters and how valuable it can be to your efforts to grow and maintain your business. You're going to want to mine measurable benchmarks, especially over time. So merging your CRM data with other databases and systems can yield powerful insights and or redefine some of your company procedures. Again, in our askers case, they could compare their CRM account list to the list of attendees in an upcoming trade show or a conference. How many of their current customers are there? How many prospects are there? Maybe there are a lot of potential prospects there who have never heard of their company. And if your company is young and still establishing yourself, more often than not, that's going to be the case. But this can help you focus your strategy for the show. Are you there to highlight a new product or service? Should you have a booth or just walk the show floor? 
Should your booth be focused on building awareness of your products or reinforcing existing customers' confidence in your, com- in your company and products? Our asker likely would go th- into such a show with a solid idea of what they want to do, but with the data, they can go into it a little bit deeper with lists of targets and, in general, a better-defined strategy to reap the most return on investment for the time and capital. Also, there are publicly available or pay-to-play data sets available. You can check government records for regions, demographics relevant to your business, uh, something I just mentioned before. You can go into U.S. Census data, which I provide a link for in the episode notes. Trade organization data. You may be able to leverage open source projects, for example, ArcGIS data. Many might have elements that could help you better identify or qualify leads. You could do Freedom of Information Act requests or FOIA requests. There might be marketing lists, lists of email addresses, social media accounts, etc. Personally, I'd be very wary of these since many are likely faked to pad numbers, but they are out there if it's relevant to your business. I'd like to close today's episode with an awesome summary of the five parts of every business, and this comes from the book The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. One, value creation. Make something of value for other people. Two, marketing. Attracting attention and getting people interested in what you have to offer. Three, sales. The process of how you take someone who is interested, a prospect, and getting them to give you money for your thing. Four, value delivery. The process by which you actually give the customer what they paid for. And five, finance. The process looking at inflows and outflows of money and asking two important questions. A, is there more money flowing in or out? Otherwise, you have a problem. B, is it enough to compensate you for the time, attention, and energy you're investing into the business? Otherwise, you have a sustainability problem. And with that, thank you again for listening to another episode of Chris Will Deal With It, and I'll see you next week. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources from today's episode, sign up for the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris Will Deal With It.